That was great. Talking about remembering. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the Sabbath idea of remembering. But before we get to the idea of remembering, we're going to have to talk a little bit about Sabbath. We're, we're in what we'll call a mini-series. This is only three weeks dedicated to this. And so I want to spend about the first half of our time this morning just talking about Sabbath. What is it? This idea that we would stop one day a week, intentionally take time off, take a break, it seems very wrong to us as Americans. It's almost antithetical to who we are as people. I mean, time off. What? That's for Europeans and for, for sissies. And I mean, is there a difference? I mean, these are the things we think as Americans. It's true. Let's just be honest. But time off is not a European idea, friends. It's, it's God's idea. And it's an idea whose time has come a long time ago. And yet we've discarded it. And I think a lot of it is we feel that it's incompatible with the world in which we live. It's incompatible in our minds with success or moving ahead. David Green, you might have heard of this guy, started a line of craft stores back in 1972. Now, as a Christian businessman, he felt that they probably ought to be closed on Sunday. But the problem was that they were in a town who had another craft store that was open on Sunday. And after meeting with this guy, the guy said, listen, I'm going to put you out of business, uh, especially if you're closed on Sunday. And so David Green thought, well, you know, the customer is always right and they want to shop on Sunday, so we might as well be open. Uh, This lasted for a while until he said he heard another voice saying, I come before your customers. And as he started to wrestle with this idea of should I be open or closed on Sunday, he started to look at their profit sheet and realized that Sunday was, in fact, their most profitable day of all seven days they were open. And yet he felt convicted that with, you know, with one hand he was paying a tithe to his congregation, he's, he's taking care of God, but with the other he's forcing his employees to be there and miss a chance to worship and be with their families. And he said, you know what? We just can't be open on Sunday. I can't do it and be a Christian. And so he closed. He said, and that's when Hobby Lobby, you've heard of this store to be sure, he said that's when our business really took off, is when we started living in obedience to that. You know, and it's not just Hobby Lobby, uh, it's Chick-fil-A too, unfortunately. I mean, how many of us would love to go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday? It's hard, you know, it's hard to observe the Sabbath, friends, it really is. It, it, it should cost something deep, and it hurts sometimes, but, but, let's be honest, Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A profitable businesses observe a sabbath day they're not bankrupt yet and you know the line any weekday around chick-fil-a tells you they're not going out of business anytime soon this idea it feels wrong and yet it works and i think it would work a lot more if we really truly embrace the fact that the sabbath is a gift from god it is not a burden the sabbath is a gift from god it is not a burden now, as we think about Sabbath, we talked a little bit in our Sunday school class this morning about you know, how hard it would really be if we were going to take this day off. My goodness, this would be horrible. I mean, this could be really hard. I mean, we'd have to do all sorts of things. I have a feeling when God gave this command to people who are working in the fields, in the sun, strenuous kinds of labor just to feed their family, and you looked at them and you said, hey, listen... You're going to have to take a day off this week. I don't think any of them were going, oh, but I've got so much to do. I just really want to be out in the field, you know, breaking my back and sweating. And I think they said, boy, 
that sounds great. And yet to us, I think we almost have this glut of leisure and we almost have a glut of, of time. And our work, while it might not be taxing physically, it is tedious and, and it's consuming. And so this idea of stopping feels like a burden. But if we look at what God has done through it, it is clearly a gift. Uh, let's look at the history of Sabbath a little bit. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, we see that God blesses the Sabbath in creation. Point 1a there is God blesses the Sabbath in creation. As we think about uh, marking a week, and I know I've said this before, but it, it bears repeating, we look at the way we measure time, and all of it has some sort of cosmic explanation. As you look out into the solar system, we can tell why is the day the day? What's well, the amount of time it takes the earth to spin on an, a on an axis? Why is a month a month? Well, it's essentially the amount of time it takes the, the moon to revolve around the earth. Well, what's a year? A year is the amount of time it takes the, the earth to make a complete rotation around the sun. But what's a week? A week is almost arbitrary. You could have three 10-day weeks just as easily as you have 4.5 seven-day weeks. Why the week? It's because God marked time. He said, all right, six days you work, seven you take a break, and day one you start over. That's how that works. The reason we have the week the way that we have the week is not for any natural reason, but for God's reasoning. Uh, we see here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, we have the screen on the screen here. It says, God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that He had done in creation. Matthew Sleaf, the author of this book uh, that a lot of our Sunday school classes are going through, writes this. He says, God doesn't need to rest after creating the universe because He's tired. And I think that bears repeating. It's not that God has created the cosmos and then he's like, gosh, you know what I really need? I just need a day. I just like need a day today. All right? No, that, that's not the case. God doesn't need to rest after creating the universe because he's tired. He rests because he's holy. And everything that God does is holy. God rests, therefore rest is holy. It's simple math. Rest shows us who God is. He has restraint. God shows restraint, therefore restraint is holy. Restraint is refrain from doing everything that one has the power to do. We must never mistake God's restraint for weakness. God shows restraint, therefore restraint is holy. God blesses that day. He blesses the weak by resting on it. And it marks it as a day of rest for His creation. Now, let's not be confused. God is still doing things on the Sabbath, and we were going to sort of put this together in our minds. Yes, He is still causing the earth to rotate, and He's still holding things in orbit. He's still causing blind earthworms under some flat rock in Brazil to breathe in and breathe out. They don't have brains. They don't think of this on their own. You know, God is still holding all of this together, and yet He restrains Himself. And He says, today is a day of rest. The Sabbath is a blessing in that it reveals there's more to life than just work. There's a second thing about the Sabbath that we see in the Old Testament. It's that God gives the Sabbath to the Israelites. He gives it to them. It's a gift. He wants them to have this. The first time Sabbath as a word is used is not in the Genesis account. It says God rests. It's not in the fourth commandment where he says you shall honor the Sabbath. The first time the Sabbath word is used is in the context of the Israelites wandering. 
They are out there. They're hungry because it's the desert and there's no food and there's no convenience stores. And they say, what are we going to do? We need to eat. And God says, I'm going to send manna down to you. All you've got to do in the morning is you get up, you go out, you gather, you can bake it, you can boil it, you can do all sorts of things, you can just eat it plain, however you want, but I'm going to put it there, you gather it. So these are Israelites in the desert, literally working hand to mouth. They're just scooping and eating, and that's what they're doing. And the first time the Sabbath word shows up is in this context. God reminds them that there is one day a week where they do not gather. If you know the story, you know that you could gather only enough for the day. You couldn't, like, grab more manna, put it in a Ziploc bag or Tupperware, and have it keep. It would spoil uh, any day except Friday. On Friday, you gathered two portions. You gathered a portion for Friday and a portion for Saturday, which was their Sabbath. And God commands here in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23, Moses says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake. Boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. God is saying to these people, this, this rhythm of work, 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 work is not good. He says a better rhythm is work, rest, work, rest. And we see that Sabbath, I know we think of it as a command, but it's actually a gift. Jesus reveals in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made for us. He said the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. You've got some teachers of the law at this point in time who are trying to force people into their idea of the Sabbath as though the pinnacle of human existence was to observe the Sabbath in their means and mode and to keep it holy. Jesus says that's not how it works. The Sabbath is actually created for you. It's a gift for you. It's tailor-made for you as a person. It is for you. And as we talked in our Sunday school class, the expression of it might be as unique as people. But God has given us this beautiful gift of the Sabbath. And yet this gift is difficult to accept. There's something inside of us that says, man, I got to go. I got to do. I got to be. I got to be making something, doing something. Got to be productive. Got to be active. Got to be moving and shaking. I got to be doing all this stuff. And so after God hallows the seventh day, and then after God gives the, the day as a gift to his people, people still disregard it, we see in Exodus. It's only then that God says, this is now a command. God commands the Sabbath for the Israelites. Why? So that they would remember that God is the one who provides and that God is the one who delivers. Uh, Sleeth again here, page uh, 36, if you've got a book. This is a great quote. He talks, the fourth commandment is the longest and most inclusive of all ten. Think about that. The fourth commandment is the longest. He says its placement is not by accident. The first three commandments are about God. The last six are about humanity. The fourth acts as a fulcrum. It is a bridge between the two sections. The Sabbath commandment embraces the wealthy, the slave, and the illegal immigrant. It pertains to minimum wage workers and students. It covers animals. It includes children. The fourth commandment applies equally to men and women. It is made to protect those who believe and those who do not. It is to be followed by humanity, and it is observed by God Himself. It is to be followed by humanity and observed by God Himself. You see, Sabbath is a commandment for us that we would remember God's work at creation. That's why God institutes this for the Israelites, is that they would remember God's work at creation. Let's look at the commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. We have this on the screen also. 
It says, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. God here, I think, is making a point. He says, listen, I created the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, light, gravity, people, animal plants. I did it all in six days, and I still had a day to take a break. What are you doing that's so important that requires you to work seven? What what are you doing that requires that? God says, listen, I've taken care of it. I have created. I have provided. I am sustaining the world. God has to remind the Israelites of this again when they move into the promised land. They're moving into the promised land, and God knows that this is going to be a land of incredible wealth. There's going to be vineyards that they didn't plant, orchards they didn't plant. They're They're going to reap all sorts of benefit of moving into this land, taking possession of it. And God knows that when you get comfortable and you have a lot of luxury, does that sound like any place you know of today? That you will soon forget who God is. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 through 18, he says this, he says, Do not say to yourself, My power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. God says, listen, you've got to take a break to remember that I am the one who creates. I am the one who provides. And if you work every waking hour of every day, you will soon forget who does the real work, and that's God. This is why Psalm 127, we looked at this not that long ago, says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guards keep watch in vain. It is in vain you rise up early and go late to rest, and I'll insert and violate the Sabbath eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. The Sabbath is commanded, I think, in many ways to remember that there is a God and we are not him. The Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. There's another reason the Israelites are commanded to remember the Sabbath. It's to remember God's saving work at Exodus. Um, If you skip over next to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 through 15, You see the Ten Commandments given again. Verses 12 through about 14 are essentially the same. Honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, don't work, not you, not your son, your daughter, male, female, slave, livestock, so forth, so on. Uh, And then it goes down to the real reason. It says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Notice the verses are identical. I think God wants to have them remember two things. One is that God is the one who provides, and the other is that God is the one who saves. If I was going to rephrase this, I think I would do something like this. God looks at the Israelites and says, listen, you used to be a slave. Why are you still acting like one? You work all of this time, every day, every waking hour. I've set you free from slavery. So that way you can be fully present with me. You don't have to work that hard to earn my love or my provision. I love you and I will take care of you. I know there's a few of you skeptics out there. You go, well, okay, this is good. I like this. This is the Old Testament, right? 
It's the Old Testament. Christ has died to set us free from the Old Testament. You know, we don't have to observe. Paul says in Romans, you know, there some consecrate one day, some others consecrate another day. What is it about the Sabbath? Is this still true for us? I think the principle of Sabbath remains. Let's look here at Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. Jesus says this. He says, the Son of the Man, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus says, the Sabbath now belongs to me. I have taken control of the Sabbath. Jesus reclaims the Sabbath for us as believers. And because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, he gets to dictate what it is and how it should be observed. John Piper says this. I love this comment. He says, Jesus didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but to dig it out from under the mountain of legalistic sediment and give it to us again as a blessing rather than a burden. It is a day for showing mercy. It is a day for doing good. It should not be governed rigidly by narrow definitions of what is work and what is not. It is a day to focus on the Lord. And now Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So it is a day to focus on Jesus. And it is impossible that a day focused on Jesus should be a burden to the believing heart. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Sabbath belongs to Christ, and it is a gift for us. And yes, there is flexibility in this. We know that. Paul writes in Romans 14 that some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. He says, let let all be fully convinced in their own mind. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Since Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, and since we have freedom in observing, I would challenge us all to truly enjoy this gift of Sabbath. I think that's important for us because the gift of Sabbath rest, it permits us the time to remember. The Sabbath principle of remembrance remains for us today. If we don't remember to remember, then soon we'll forget. Now, I want to say that together, okay? That last part there. If we don't remember to remember, then soon we'll forget. Don't, don't say it wrong and get me confused. Gee, this is your second time. <laughs> we'll have to do it three. All right, one more time. If we don't remember to remember, then soon we'll forget. It's better. Some of you didn't think all included you. It wouldn't hurt us to say it one more time. If we don't remember to remember, then soon we'll forget. Beautiful. That's what Sabbath is about. It's about remembering. The Israelites were commanded to remember God's provision and creation. They were commanded to remember God's salvation at the Exodus. And we can add to that God's work of salvation on the cross through Jesus Christ. But let me let you in on a little secret, friends. Remembrance is an intentional act, one for which we prepare. Okay? Back at the very beginning, God said, gather manna, boil it, bake it, stew it, fry it, do whatever you're going to do with it. But don't do it on the Sabbath. So if you want to have a good meal on the Sabbath, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to make it on Friday. Exodus 35.3 says, you shall not kindle a fire on the Sabbath day. What's going to happen if you want a fire on the Sabbath? You better light it the day before, and you better make sure there's lots of wood on it. Okay? That's how it works. If you want to observe the Sabbath, you will have to prepare to observe the Sabbath. 
If you say, well, you know what, I, I'm going to observe the Sabbath if I get the time. Let me tell you, you're never going to get the time. Some of you are thinking to yourself, you know what, I, I can't do this. I can't just stop one day a week. And you're right. You can't just stop. You have to plan to stop. And so today we're issuing the Sabbath challenge. Not for this Sunday, because there's not enough time to prepare. For next Sunday, we are issuing the Sabbath challenge. Because we want to give you an entire week to get ready to observe the Sabbath. And some of you, it's going to take all week. So today, lunch conversation. You're going to get together. If you've got a family, you're going to talk with your spouse. You're going to talk with your kids. You say, hey, listen, how are we going to do this? Leaf talks about asking school-aged children. He says, what would you think if I said, we're going to have a day where we don't have to do anything? And he says, they all look at me like it's a trick. Because like it's never been done before. I, I, I see kids running around with day timers. Like these children in third grade have more appointments to keep than your father ever had. Like in his life. They've got in their school year. This is this. This is crazy, friend. We need to plan if we're going to observe the Sabbath. If you say you, you're going to do it when you get the time, you're not going to get the time. You're going to have to prepare for it. And let me tell you, parents, this is especially important for you. If you're conducting your life in such a way that you say, we're going to attend church or we're going to observe the Sabbath when we've got the time, your child is going to learn that you know, we give God our leftovers. That's just the long and the short of it. Okay? They're going to learn that we give God the leftovers. We might teach a tithe, a tithe of our finances, but we've also got to be teaching a tithe of our time. A seventh of our week belongs to God. If all you're teaching your kids is that you go to church, if you wake up on time and you make it occasionally, I promise you this, that your children will go less occasionally. It just will. There might be an exception, but that will be the rule if they even make it at all. Friends, we've got to plan for the Sabbath because it's an intentional act. Now, some of you, you're like, I don't even know how to do it. Well, that's what we did at the back of the sermon handout there for. Now, some of you, like, you, as soon as you walk out the door, there's that flushing sound in your mind. It goes, and it's gone. And people ask you, what did you talk about Sunday? You're like, I, I don't know. I was there. We sang some songs and stuff. Um, this will help jog your memory. Hold on to this, because this is, this is the memory jogger. If you forget why you should have a day of Sabbath, I gave you a little paragraph there. It's a gift to you. Um, when should we observe the Sabbath? Got a few things there from Eugene Peterson. I love this. He says, the technology of Sabbath keeping is not complex. Okay? You don't have to do an update or an upgrade between now and next Sabbath. He says, uh, we simply select the day of the week and quit our work. There you go. Okay? That is the technology required. Peterson suggests a day where we are free to only pray and play. Okay, well, how can I plan for a Sabbath? I've got, I've got three points there for you. Number one, put Jesus first. This should be the guiding principle. You're going to ask this, how can I bring glory to God and draw closer to Him? Then let that order your activities. Put in your calendar, you know, beforehand. Prepare for a day of rest by getting your work done on time beforehand. And here's the thing. We talked a little bit about this in our Sunday school class, but I would encourage you to use a Jewish day which means the Sabbath starts the night before. So here's how this would work if you're going to use Sunday as your Sabbath. You would work Monday through Friday if you've got a job, and, and we're glad that you do. And then you come to Saturday, you take care of all the things you have to do, because for Sabbath you get to do the things you want to do but not need to do. 
Uh, then what you would do is you would prepare an evening meal. You would share Saturday dinner together as a family, and you would enjoy that time. You would wake up Sunday morning. You would go to church. You would then have lunch, and then you would finish the rest of the day through rest and play. That's what you would do. And then when the sun starts going down Sunday night, I know we all got to get ready for work on Monday, and we'll tear back into it again. That's how that works. But that rhythm, you start the night before, finish midday. I think that'll work a little bit better for some. You're going, well, what are we going to do on the Sabbath? Well, I've got some ideas there for you. You worship, picnic, hike, play board games, go to the pool, go to the park, watch a movie together if you have a family. Put that in there. Uh, geocaching, for those of you that do that, read. Maybe some, have someone read aloud to everyone if you have a group of people. Take a nap. Lots of things you can do. Love for you to participate in Sabbath Challenge. Some of your neighbors are going to have a harder time with this than you are, and they might need some ideas. And so as you participate in Sabbath Challenge, we would love for you to share that with us on Facebook or Instagram. Jared keeps track of all these things. Use the hashtag Sabbath Challenge. It's all one word with that pound sign there. And we'll part, start showing that and sharing that with other people that do this. See, that's how technologically savvy we are. Okay? That is the Sabbath Challenge. We'll see how many of you are up for this. We'll see about how many of you are wanting to live in obedience to God's Word. You, you laugh, but it's really not that funny. The hashtag is optional. All right, second part here. Remembrance is a corporate act. It's something we do together. Because of the constraints of time and the fact that Jared is actually going to preach on this next week on the reconnect portion of the Renew Cycle... We'll leave it alone, other than to say Hebrews 10, 19 exhorts believers to not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. In other words, there are some that, that put church on the margin and sort of count it as less important. The author of Hebrews says, no, it's real important. And we'll look a little bit more as to why that is on our third week. Um, finally here, remembrance is a focused act. It is centered on Jesus in the early church, we see that they moved their meeting day, and we're not sure when and how all this happened. It, I don't think it happened all at once, but gradually. They moved their day from Saturday to Sunday, because originally Christianity was just another Jewish sect, right? And they would meet in the synagogue, and they'd meet at the temple, and they would talk, and they would pray, and they would do those things. But eventually the church moved to a different day. They moved to Sunday, and they called it something different. They called it the Lord's Day. And they called it that day because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And so they thought, if there was a day that we were going to take and mark as holy and sacred and important to us, it should be the day that Christ rose from the dead. So that we, we would never forget. Because the early church knew that if we don't remember to remember, then soon we'll forget. And so they decided they would start to remember and do it very intentionally. It was a great fulfillment of Jesus' command there during the Last Supper where he says, Do this in remembrance of me. It seems that even Jesus knew that if we didn't remember to remember, then soon we would forget. And so it's important for us to observe that. Today we're going to come to the table. We're going to do this in remembrance of Jesus because we want to remember to remember. I want to close out here with, with Slee's quote here on his, in his book. He says this. He talks about the world in which we live and how we're really busy now. But he says this, he says, we will look back with nostalgia at the 24-7 world in which we live right now. 
He says, we will look back with nostalgia at the 24-7 world once these advances make a 48-7 week a reality. If we wish to have a weekly day of rest, it will no longer happen as a societal default. It will happen only as a result of conscious choice. All that we need to begin is to remember, as the fourth commandment tells us. Let's take that challenge this week and do that. Let me pray for you. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word, which reminds us to stop, to be still and know that you are God, to be still. Lord, we thank you for your word, which reminds us that we need to intentionally remember. If we don't remember to remember, God, we will forget, and we would even forget you, though we would not want to. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us here, that you would help us to live in obedience to your word, to remember you regularly, to remember you weekly, to remember you with those we love. Lord, I pray that we would take this time to rest. Because it's in rest, Lord, that we remember that you are the one who provides and that you're the one who saves. No matter how hard we work this week, Lord, we can never save ourselves. And so we take a break. We're here right now because of that. God, for all that would take this challenge of observing the Sabbath, Lord, would you be with them? Would you grant them every success in a restful remembrance? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.